Climate change threatens every one of us. But what would you sacrifice if giving something up could solve the climate crisis? We've done a big survey in every European Union country, in China, in the US, and in Britain, to find out what people are ready to do to fight climate change, to understand what solutions they think will work, and whether they're even worried at all about climate change now that COVID-19 threatens us. Then we spoke to experts about what it all means for the future of our planet. I'm Matt, and this is Climate Solutions. Today, is COVID-19 good or bad for climate change? It's like a paradox because they, they are concerned, they, they recognize the, 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 the big problem, but they could not necessarily associate the causes of the problem to human activity. Um, so there is still a lot of discussion, a lot of, um, yeah, a lot of discussion, a lot of information needed to, uh, to understand what causes what. That's Martial Foucault director of the Centre for Political Research at Sciences Po, one of France's top universities. Martial is highlighting the root of many of the key questions in the climate debate over recent years. Scientists explain to us how dangerous climate change is, but some of us don't believe them. Or we believe them, but we don't think there's anything we can do about it. Maybe we just don't want to change our lifestyles, even if we realise that it's going to mean disaster for our children and grandchildren. The European Investment Bank carries out a massive survey every year to measure what we think about climate change and what we're prepared to do to fight it. This podcast series has exclusive access to the bank's latest survey data, and we found some fascinating and encouraging results. Before we dig into the data and listen to the experts explain what it means, let's remember that the survey was made during the COVID-19 crisis. What we wanted to know was whether COVID-19 would cause us to change our behavior in ways that might be good for climate change. For example, teleworking instead of commuting to an office means fewer carbon emissions and therefore it's good for the climate. And what about the economic recovery? Were people just so desperate for an end to the COVID-19 recession that they wanted investment at any cost? Or did they want a recovery that pumped funds into sustainable businesses that didn't damage the environment, what's called a green recovery? Adelaide Zulfikarpasik is the director of opinion polling at BVA, the Paris-based company that carried out the survey for the European Investment Bank. Uh, about the green recovery, um, there were um, differences between um, within Europe itself, uh, because if a majority of Europeans consider that the government's priority should be the green recovery, the results mask important disparities. Um, with some countries such as um, France, Luxembourg, Germany, uh, or Spain or Malta, who clearly think that the fight against climate change must be a part of economic recovery. And in the other hand, other countries, um, including Greece, Denmark or Sweden, were in favor of uh, recovery by any means. The, the biggest surprise for me was the fact that a huge majority of Chinese citizens um, believe that the priority of the national government uh, must be to support a green uh, recovery. Um, I was surprised, uh, as I, I was also surprised that uh, China was the only country where climate change remains the first challenge this year. So that's a range of countries that favor a green recovery. 
but some others that want recovery at any cost. Something jumped out at me. Greeks wanted any kind of recovery. At first I thought that's fair enough, because they've had many years of economic troubles and they're desperate. But Swedes and Danes also didn't care about whether the recovery was green. Sweden's not a poor country, or in economic difficulties, neither is Denmark. I asked Adelaide what that was about. Uh, in thousand countries, especially uh, that may uh, also be the um, poorest one, people feel more the impact of uh, climate change on their everyday lives. And other pe- countries like Sweden and Denmark, um, I think that people don't feel really the impact of, um, uh, of climate change. And so, in fact, we observed in last year's survey and also this year that they are less concerned about um, climate change, on, uh, contrary to what we could expect. Um, it's, these countries are more culturally concerned by climate change. Um, their um, political policies are um, uh, turned to climate change, to fight against climate change. But people individually are less concerned than people in some uh, thousand and uh, sometimes poorest countries. So it's about how much we feel climate change in our lives too, not just our wallets. And that's where the survey shows some very interesting results. In 2019, climate change showed on the survey as the biggest concern people had for the future of the world. But it took a long time to get to that top position. People knew about climate change for a long time, but they had finally started to feel it in their own lives in the form of very hot summers, floods and storms. Now, our survey shows that 75% of Europeans feel the impact of climate change on their daily lives. That compares to 72% of Americans and 94% of Chinese. And as Adelaide noted, it differs across Europe. 45% of Danes feel climate change in their daily lives, but 92% of Italians feel it, and it stands at 95% among Romanians. We felt COVID a lot more quickly, of course. And so it vaulted to the top of the list of concerns. But climate remains firmly on that list. And that's why most people tell us that they want a green recovery. The health crisis is, is, it is acute. We're seeing the economic consequences of it. On top of it, we're also seeing increasing evidence about the the impacts across different parts of society. Edward Calthrop is head of the Climate Policy Unit at the European Investment Bank in Luxembourg. That was a very, very interesting report from Oxfam, which is making the point that, um, you know, the pandemic has exacerbated inequalities across all countries, actually, for the first time ever. Um, you know, whether that's measured by wealth or, or, or gender or, or, or race. So, I mean, I think you, have, you can only have enormous sympathy that people are indicating they're primarily worried about, about COVID and catching COVID right now. I'm not sure I draw that from that, that there's any sort of opposition to the idea of investing when we're thinking about investment as a way out of the economic crisis, that we're looking for investments that are not only producing quick wins in terms of job creation and and, and so-called economic multipliers, but that are also meeting the the long-term challenge which with 30 years to go, frankly, is not such a long-term challenge. And in fact, many of these investments of you know, asset lives will be 20 years. So it's, it's a pretty immediate challenge 
of addressing climate change issues. So, so I don't overread too much the, the I think it's a bit of a, a false dichotomy between the two. I mean, my own take on actually seeing the other parts of the survey is the two, you get these two fairly clear messages actually that uh, people are, are have understood and, and, and are seeing the impacts of climate change now. Uh, there's an overwhelming support for reorientating the economy. So I think the two go hand in hand. And I mean, if anything, probably the overriding lesson from, from the pandemic, um, at least for, for I think, for, for, for me and echoed by many from the, from the climate community, is that we have to learn that we cannot ignore known risks. Um, we did that to some extent with, with, with the COVID pandemic, and there is still a risk that we do that with the longer-term climate change risk. 64% of Europeans said natural disasters were their top climate-related concern. That's compared to environmental damage and rising temperatures in second and third places. Well, this series is called Climate Solutions, so I asked Ed Qualthrop what the European Investment Bank, the EU Climate Bank, is doing to counter the effects of climate change, the effects that people are already feeling through natural disasters around the world. There's a lot, of course, it's the EU Climate Bank, but here's what Ed said about something called adaptation. Adaptation is when people adapt their infrastructure to the climate threat with, say, better flood defences or bridges that don't get swept away when there's a big rainstorm. We've been financing these kind of projects for, for a number of years. I think the good news is, is last year, 2020, we've, we've actually doubled our, our volume of support. So we've, we've moved to 2 billion uh, of, of, of support out of an overall uh, um, envelope of about 24 billion for, for climate action as a whole. So that's, that's positive. But of course, 2 billion is still a very small amount. Um, you know, essentially, we're, we're looking at three types of ways that we can really help support this, this agenda. The first is actually to ensure that all of the projects we're financing are well adapted to future climate change. This is you know, the, the most obvious point. So we are, we are systematically um, doing that. You know, that. That means in practice we will screen projects to see where they're potentially exposed to higher risks of, of climate change in the future. You know, we'll engage with the, with the promoter, with the client on that. Um, you know, potentially, we'll try to understand how they've, how they've addressed it. Potentially, we can even assist in, in going through more, more technical steps, and referred to as climate risk and vulnerability assessment to really try and identify those risks and think about ways of mitigating them. Um, but that's essentially, yeah, that's the first point. We've mainstreamed it into our operations. Second point is really one of, of um, you know, using our resources to try to push innovation in this area. And that, you know, that can mean many different things. That's, that's partly around you know, RDI, um, working to support the development of, let's say, crops that are resistant to droughts. Um, it's partly about working with governments to development programs to, to I mean, develop and to, to um, deal with disaster risk management and extreme weather events. We have a, a very interesting operation now in, in Greece. 
it's partly working with the private sector. You know, we have a we have we're working with a, with a, a fund effectively to to tap private sectors to support private sector um, companies that can you know are using data and technology enabled services to help people to to react and companies to to react to this this type of events. You know, we're looking at dedicated credit lines, um, working for instance with farmers. And, in, in, in Africa, in, in, in Kazakhstan, in, in, in numerous countries. The third point really then is it would be around building knowledge and sharing knowledge and that's the advisory agenda and there again we're, we're looking at ways we can um, you know, work with, with partners, be they, be they cities, be they private sector, because um, for many organizations are really at the beginning of this curve so they may have very little in place to, to, to think through what are the future climate risks and how might they they be addressed so that's again the sort of third element all of that needs to be wrapped into I mean the, the EU will come forward this year with a with a new adaptation strategy and so we will actually take stock of that and come forward with our own adaptation plan to in some sense cement those three points that I've just made. So people really do see the threat of climate change. But what impact does COVID have on all this? One result of the COVID crisis is that people have been ready to accept very strong measures imposed by their governments to fight a crisis situation. That willingness seems to have extended to the idea that big changes might need to be imposed to fight the other big crisis climate change. It is true that um, the drastic restrictions on freedom and changes in behavior um, imposed during the pandemic uh, in order to fight the virus um, may have made some citizens think about what they are willing to do or not for the community and the general interests. And, and a majority of them say that they would be ready to accept uh, strong government measures to combat uh, uh, climate change. I wondered if this would make people more positive about their ability to stop climate change. You know, because they had seen that their personal behavior, wearing masks, social distancing, not visiting grandparents, had a positive impact on the lives of others, perhaps even saved the lives of others. Would they in turn feel more positive about their ability to improve the lives of their children by taking action against climate change? But there is evidence that people will sacrifice some potential economic growth in favor of building a cleaner economy for the future. Yes, people are really happy or, or maybe let's say are really ready to slow down the economic recovery by taking climate into consideration as part of the recovery plan because of this long-term um, phenomenon and consciousness of the issue. Subscribe to Climate Solutions so you don't miss any of the results of the climate survey or the explanations from our experts. You can also read the full results of the climate survey at eib.org. EIB In the next episode of Climate Solutions, you'll find out whether people are more prepared to give up their cars, the trip of a lifetime, or a juicy, tasty sausage to save humanity from climate change. So find out whether you're willing to give up the same things others are or if you're some kind of statistical outlier, on the next episode of Climate Solutions from the European Investment Bank, the EU Bank.